1: But I want you to know that as we begin our new series here in John chapter 14, talking about comfort for the troubled heart, it'd be good for us to maybe spend a little bit more time today, since I'm spreading it out over a number of Sundays, to lay a foundation. And I'd like you to remember this foundation, because next week I'm going to have to really pick up some steam, but it's going to be built upon this foundation. One of the things we need to understand is, to whom was Jesus really speaking as we get into John chapter 14? He's going to be speaking to 11 of his 12 disciples, and he's speaking really the night before. He is going through his trial and then his execution, etc. So you're going to find him speaking to these guys. What's interesting is John chapter 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, until we get to the end when he finally goes to all through all of, all of that, he's really giving out a voluminous amount of material the night before. And that sometimes reminds me that sometimes when I give a lot of information to you, I kind of beat myself up in the afternoon on the way home, wondering that I wonder if I overloaded you with information. When I go back to remembering what Jesus did, I don't know that I am, but maybe I am, and I hope that I don't. But I want you to have that kind of information because I don't want to just pick a verse out here and then make it substantiate a point that I want to make. I want you to know the word, and the word then makes the point, not me make the point and find a verse to support it. So we're going to talk about that as we look at these guys that are going to be going into a complete life of a lot of turmoil in the days ahead. And of course, they still don't have much of a foggy idea of what it's going to be like. They have a little bit of a glimpse, but they don't know all of it. And you might not find that you're relating to this very well because you're not the last day before Jesus goes and you're not like them having to launch Christ and what we might call Christianity. But you may be going through your own kind of troubles in your life And you know, as you look around, all of us are probably one phone call away, one visit away, maybe one piece of concrete away from falling before we have some trouble that comes our way. You could look at family members that you're going through challenges with and you have a troubled heart through some of them, a wayward child or a family member that's going through some difficult times. It could be finances. The next time you open up your your envelope, your mail, and you find that your investments have gone south on you. Or you could go to work tomorrow and find out that they are officially announcing that there's a downsizing or that your world is going to be changed because you're going to have to then relocate. And so all of a sudden there's that troubled heart. Or all you've got to do is just assume you're going to go to the doctor like one lady did. This last week she was sharing with me that she was going in for basically a routine thing and they found that there was a a spot on her lungs and they told her, don't worry about it, we'll just kind of do a little check it and see what's happening. And they did and they found out that immediately in surgery they had to remove half of her lung and she's in the hospital today waiting to find out what type of chemo she's going to go through. Two nights before that, everything was fine. A night later... Troubled hearts. So I'm not here trying to predict doom on all of us, but I also know that all of us at some time or another will be hit with something that will cause a troubled heart. And while I don't want to minimize the troubles that we go through, I'd like to frame it from this perspective. The teaching that I'm going to be giving to you this week and next week, and then when I get into John chapter 15, I want you to know that we're talking about troubled hearts with these guys who, we're not talking about their health, we're not talking about their finances, we're not talking about so much relationships, although there will be a little bit of that. We're talking about the troubled hearts that they're going to get in a relationship with Christ, what's expected out of them, and the propagation of the glorious gospel to a world that is very, very hostile. And they're going to have a troubled heart. So then, as we look at this, I would like to share with you that even though they're facing that spiritual challenge ahead of them, You could be facing challenges, and it still boils down to normal emotional issues that you go through. So I decided to do kind of a scripture search on comfort and trouble in in the Bible. It was so overwhelming that I didn't even conclude my study on comfort and trouble. There were so many. But I did glean enough that I'd like to share with you how that from Old Testament to New Testament that we are appointed unto troubles. Listen to just some of the passages as I read them to you now. Job says this. He says, Man who is born of woman is short lived and full of turmoil. So, whether you're spiritual or not, we're going to have turmoil. Then, one of the so called counselors, Eliphaz, said this. Man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. You know, when you throw a log in the fire, the sparks kind of explode upward. We're going to have trouble, just like sparks fly upward. You move a little bit further, all the way into the New Testament, Jesus begins to speak to this, and he commands us. He says, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough. In the context, it says trouble, not just evil, but trouble is in it. So don't worry about tomorrow because there's going to be enough trouble tomorrow because we've already got enough trouble today that we're going to go through. Later on, he says, in this world, you will have tribulation. So in this world, there'll be enough stuff thrown at us that will make our our hearts be troubled, to be prepared for it. As we move further on into the New Testament, you're going to find that the Apostle Paul and his gang spoke to the same issue. He said to Paul, or Paul and Barnabas reminded the new believers in Asia Minor, he said, through many tribulations you will enter into the kingdom of heaven. And so I'd like to uh, remind all of us that we will go through troubles and trials. Now there's good news. It's not all doom and gloom. While we go through these trials, the Lord also comes along and through His word, He assures us of the comfort that we can have. One passage is found in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 3-5 that says basically this, that God is the God and the Father of all comfort. And I like the word Father there because when I think of a true Father, a Father is benevolent and caring. So He is the Father and God of all comfort, who will comfort us no matter what affliction we go through. Now catch this. So we then can comfort other people. Now I really want you to remember that, because while I'm teaching you this, in case you're listening with a troubled heart on the radio or internet or today, I also want to help you that you could come alongside other people in your lives and ministry and bring them comfort. Now, if you remember that verse says that we will comfort others when they go through something with the comfort that God has given to us. So let's say that you have a troubled heart because you've gone through a broken relationship and we'll call it a divorce. Now, if you've gone through that and I haven't gone through that, that doesn't mean that I've got comfort to help you, but not as much because I haven't gone through your pain. No, I do not know what you've gone through with a divorce. And I certainly am not marginalizing that. I'm just saying I haven't experienced that. However... Whatever I have gone through, it's not man's comfort that comforted me. It is God's comfort, and it is His supernatural comfort that He's given to me that now I can give to you. It's not my comfort. It's His comfort through me to you, whatever you go through, whatever it might be. So I'm kind of like speaking to an audience here that has a troubled heart, or had a troubled heart, will definitely will have a troubled heart, but also a group that I'm wanting to equip to do the work of the ministry to come alongside others. So while you take notes, I want you to kind of listen to calm your troubled heart. But at the same time, to take these notes this week and next week especially so you can come alongside others and actually take them through the same passage that I'm taking you through with them. And to do it very simply, take them through very carefully because then what's happening is God's comfort that is teaching us in this passage will then comfort them no matter what they're going through because that's how beautiful this passage really is. So how does God comfort us? Well, we know He is the God of all comfort and in Him is mercy and peace and joy and all of that. So it's all found in Christ. So as I abide in Him, He and me, it begins to comfort my troubled heart. Another thing it says that I can cry unto Him when I go through the the pains and the isms and spasms of life. And when I cry to Him, He gives me that particular comfort. The Bible also says you have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And we know the Holy Spirit is known as a helper, but He's also our comforter. So He's given us His Holy Spirit to comfort us. How does that all happen? When I accept Christ as Savior, I see the forgiveness and I'm a partaker of the divine nature of comfort of god is all a part of who i am in him not because of me to help them now i know this sounds so heavy duty theological and perhaps you'd like to have three points in a poem and a little homily on this and there's plenty of that stuff out there on all these different uh, appreciation cards you can give to one another but i want to assure you there is no comfort that is sustaining other than the comfort that the lord provides for us right here So let's, for just a moment, go right now to John chapter 14. And I want to speak to this. We're going to give you a list. I know it's crazy to give you a list, and I don't want to always give lists. But in the passage, I think it wouldn't hurt to do that, especially this week and next week. So you have pegs so you can hang on to these things that might be helpful to you. So let's look at John chapter 14 and um, what would be the first thing that we can do. And I think it's a simple one that we might want to remember here, and that is to believe in me as you do in God. Now, I'm going to come back and talk for a moment here about uh, the troubled heart that the apostles had, but I wanted to get right into John, John chapter 14. You believe in God, believe also in me. So let's look at verse 1 here of chapter 14. It's really cool. It starts out by saying, do not let your heart be troubled. So let's pause before I go any further. There is enough sermon material in this that would take itself two sermons, and I'm going to try to just bring it to a, a simple statement. This is a command. God says that if your heart is troubled, you're not going to resolve it by pity parties and complaining to everybody that this tells me that if I have a troubled heart, watch this, watch this, I can control whether or not I permit it to stay troubled. So if we have a troubled heart, it is our choice. Now let me pause and give you a sidebar if I could. I realize that there are some people that have an agitated troubled heart because of a chemical imbalance. I know that some might have it because of a physiological problem. I realize that that troubled heart could be so so badly damaged that the trouble is so agitated and so severe. I realize that. But I can't get away from the scripture that still says, do not let your heart be troubled. So I would like to say this. If you have a troubled heart, deal with it. And then he says how to deal with it through the passages that were coming out. So to just sit there and mope and the wine is not ever going to solve your troubled heart. That's why I'm very careful about encouraging people to get involved in support groups. I think a support group is something you get into, you get a little bit of support, you stay in there for a few weeks and get out pretty quickly. The longer you stay in there, then each other is still talking about their troubled hearts, their troubled hearts, and all of a sudden it turns into a gossip session, a wine session, and sometimes it then reinfects one another because it keeps us remembering those things that are of a bad report that then destroys the peace that we have. So they have help for a short bit, but for the long haul, it's not healthy. It says, do not let your heart be troubled. Now... In the Greek language, it's actually in a tense that says don't keep on letting your heart be troubled, which I think that says a lot because that means that periodically we'll have things that will trouble our hearts throughout our life, so don't let it keep troubling us. When it comes in, deal with it, get it gone, and then pass off to the next direction. So do not let your heart be troubled. Now, that word troubled is a neat word because that word in the Greek, there's, 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 there's the Greek language... Okay, that's out there. I don't wanna, I'm not wowing you with a lot of Greek, so don't worry about that. You have this Greek language. That means words are used in different ways, just in the Koine Greek and, and classical or whatever Greek is out there in their common writing to one another. Then from that, we have the New Testament that was written. Out there, the word trouble means a stormy sea. So you could put that in the blank there. It's a stormy sea that's out there. That's what that means. When you run it through the grid of Scripture, it's a little bit different but very close. That word troubled was used when the waters at Bethesda, we've already studied this in the early part of the Gospel of John, were troubled. That means they were like boiling. They were like, um, how can I say, well, boiling is the best word agitated waters. They stirred up the pool. Some of you still might not get that, so maybe I can use two illustrations. If you've ever had the opportunity to go on, we, we live on, on the east side of the island, uh, out towards Hanama Bay, and then as you go around that beautiful part of the island, you can see the water just boiling out there, especially on the windy days on the east side of Oahu, and then those waves are crashing against the rocks, and you're looking there, and how many fishermen have been washed off those rocks, or the OPE pickers were washed off those rocks, trying to get stuff because of the boiling sea. That's the idea of a troubled heart. Now, If that doesn't work for you because you're not living anywhere near the oceans when it's all boiling like that, maybe some of you can remember a hot tub. How many have ever seen a hot tub? How many have ever been in a hot tub? Don't raise your hand. That's all right. right, That's okay. But when you get in a hot tub, it's nothing more than a hot tub of water. And so what do you do? You punch this button that does what to the water? You know, and you all try to get by the jet so it's supposed to relax you or whatever it's supposed to do. I want you to think that is the image of what a troubled heart would be. Now, the question is, is it a sin to have a troubled heart? I'm going to go out on a limb on this. I don't necessarily believe that a troubled heart is a sin. And I get that from, that that same word troubled heart here is the same word that Jesus said that he was troubled. So if he had an agitated heart, agitated spirit, and we have one, and he knew no sin, then out of ourselves, we ought not to have that as a sin. Now, stay with me. Because he says do not let your heart be troubled, and it's in the tense of don't keep on letting your heart be troubled, it's probably one of those that when your heart gets troubled, deal with it properly, work it through the system with the intention of releasing that troubled heart, and it's okay. But if you continue, allow the things to happen to you that you can control, or your heart is agitated and you keep ignoring it or doing man's way to solve that troubled heart, then you're moving in from sin. Billy Sunday used this illustration. He says, it's okay if a bird lands on your head, but don't let him build a nest there. So it's okay if the trouble comes in, but don't let it build a nest in your thinking. So it is that severe agitation, he says, so don't let that continue. Now I know that I'm coming across with perhaps some passion. I might sound that I'm with a little, little bit of angst here. I want you to know that I do have a shepherd's heart. And I wish that I didn't have a microphone in front of me and a crowd in front of me. And if you have a troubled heart, I'd love to sit next to you on your lanai And really let you know, I do care for your troubled heart. And I'm not here with a three-word solution. Get over it and move on. I would love to talk you through it. I would love to open up the beauty of Scripture and to help you with that. So that we can deal with that troubled heart. Since he doesn't want you to have a troubled heart and I'm helping you to get to the Lord and bring the Lord to you, there is a solution. So if you have a troubled heart, be with us every week. Drill deeper into this than I'm even able to preach to you. Meet with someone who is a, not a Christian counselor, Go to a biblical counselor. There's a lot of Christian counselors who are Christians who use secular counseling. You want to go to a biblical counselor to help you through this. And if it is a chemical issue, there is a physiological issue, then see someone who can properly help you with that. But it will very very quickly, watch this, watch this, to clear the fog away enough so you can get into the Word and the Word can get into you so the Word of God can begin to change you. That will help you. Now, let's go back to for a moment when it says, let not your heart be troubled. The you're there would be those disciples And as I went through them, I went back over John chapter 13, because we've already taught through that. I don't have to teach you through that, but my question is, is why would the Lord from John 13, Judas leaves now, so there's 11 of his guys, and now why does he start by saying, don't keep on letting your heart be troubled? Well, there's a question and an answer to that. They had to have a troubled heart. Why do they have to have a troubled heart? And there's some bullet points you might want to write down if they didn't give those to you already. The first one was because they experienced what we might call failure in their life. There was a failure dynamic that was going on. If you will, look for just a moment, and we're going to stay in 13 before I go back to 14. Look in verse 21 of 13. It says this, When Jesus had said this, he became troubled in spirit, that's the same word, and testified and said, Truly, truly, I say to you that one of you will betray me. So all of a sudden, the guys that thought they were so well-connected, now they're saying, Is it me? Is it you? Who is this? Who's the betrayer? So all of a sudden, there's a sense of failure. Who in the world would ever want to betray Jesus, is the attitude. So there's that betrayal, that failure. If you go a little bit further in the passage, verse 22 and then later on to verse 28, even Peter is the one who said, I won't deny you. And Later on, we know he did deny him. So there's this uh, propensity for denial and betrayal going on. So there's this propensity for failure. Often when I talk to people that are struggling with anxiety, I, I don't try to oversimplify it, but I do try to put it into a bite size. I tell them that generally when you have anxiety, it's because there's two things that are going on in your life. You have the fear of failure... So you're so afraid of failing, failing your wife, failing your business, failing on the job, failing whatever it is, there's a failure thing going on and there's this anxiety because you think you're going to fail and there's a whole lot of repercussions when you do. The second is the fear of the future. In other words, you don't know what the future has, especially those of us who are control freaks, and I put me into that camp. We want to make sure everything is right for the future, and we have all of our goals and our objectives, which are not wrong to do, but we begin to force everybody or force ourselves to get that, and when the future gets all scrambled up and we see things that we can't control in the future, anxiety sets in. So they had the fear of failure going on, but they also had confusion going on in their life. Look in verse 36, John thirteen thirty-six. Here's what it says. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Where I go, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow me later on. Now, if you were hearing Jesus say that, you'd be saying, I thought we're supposed to follow you. I can follow you, but I can't follow you now, but we'll follow you later on. Where are you going to go? Aren't you going to set up the kingdom? What's this thing about you possibly dying? What's going on here? There's a lot of confusion. Some of you have a troubled heart right now because the stability that you need and enjoy in your life is not there. And there's confusion set in. Where do I go to school? Should I stay on the island? Should I get this job? What should I do? Should I buy this car now? Should I purchase a house? There's confusion. What, what's the decision I need to make? There's a career choice that I need to make. A lot of you have to choose things, you young people that are listening, for what position in a sport team you're going to play. and What are they going to think? Can you do a good job? And now you get the failure and the confusion thing going on in you. And there's this troubled heart that goes on. Just like these guys. And let me remind you. It's not a sin. Let me remind you that Jesus cares for you. That's We're looking at it as a very loving Savior at this point. And then you got disappointment. These guys had a dream. I don't need to tell you about how many chapters and how many times we were going through this where the Jews at the time and some of the guys that are on his team were thinking that Jesus is now the Messiah who is going to set up the kingdom and all of a sudden he's going to make all things right and there's a group that's going to come against us and realize that, wait, He now says, where I'm going, you can't go. What I'm going to take, you can't take. And so, are you leaving? What is this? I thought you were going to be king. You're not going to be king. So there's a disappointment. A dream is shattered. Now, I don't have the time to open up every application to that. But I think if you're engaged in this message, in this sermon right now, there is enough of you that have had a dream in your life, something you were really hoping for, and that dream was shattered. Where did that go? All of us know in our current events that there was a man who burn down a house with a woman and a boy in that house. Without being too graphic on this thing, he then steals the daughter or the sister, runs off up to Oregon, and he's up there. And then the father and the husband is pleading for his friend to release the daughter. Lost the house, lost his wife, lost his son. All he has left is a daughter, and who knows what that man might be doing. All that being said, if you were that man, don't you think that possibly that the dream you had for your son or for your nuclear family or for whatever you had, that there was more than one dream that could be shattered? You talk about a troubled heart, and that troubled heart is what is she like when I meet her today on Sunday for the first time after this ordeal? So that's dramatic. I realize that, and I pray that none of you, nobody, I, nobody would ever have to go through that. I would really mean that. But whatever dream that you might have that could be shattered... That's what these guys are experiencing. So we might look at the spiritual nature of all that's going on, but emotionally it was still the same thing. It was the fear of failure, confusion, disappointment, and then fear. What is going to happen now? And that just kind of is all over the place, that fear factor. So my question is, is, uh, what strategy do we have to be able to address the fear when he says, do not let your heart be troubled? Okay, I don't want it to be troubled. I've got all of these issues that bring a troubled heart, so what's my strategy to conquer them? Let me speak in broad strokes here without being too specific. One way is we can ignore that we have this issue. In other words, we ignore it. Some people ignore it very easily. What they do is they just pretend that it doesn't exist. Some people, they've got the troubled heart. They kind of just kind of get away from it for a little bit here. They almost think it's going to go away. And what happens with that issue that's bringing the troubled heart only, do you know the word, exacerbates, gets worse and worse and worse because they're not dealing with it. They got a troubled heart because they got a lump where they shouldn't have a lump, but they ignore this thing, and all of a sudden it turns into something that is horrible. And so they had a troubled heart, they tried to ignore that it was happening, and bingo, it turned into something bad. Now, let me just flip it a little bit, and that is there are some that have a troubled heart, and as soon as they get a little bit of trouble, they want to shoot low, throw grenades, control everybody, and pounce on this thing to reduce their troubled heart. Is that the way we handle it? We're going to find out in Scripture if you're with us the next few weeks. Here's the second way that people handle and get their strategy going for this heart trouble they might have. They want to hide from it. Now, we can talk about those who hide themselves in a bottle or they hide themselves in a bag of pills or they want to smoke their problems away. Whatever that might be, they might end up in illicit sex. And I know I'm painting a very bleak picture because of the broader audience on radio and all this, but practically, let's talk about some what we think are acceptable ways to perhaps hide from all of our troubles. We could plunge ourselves into work. So we're the first one there, the last one to leave. We take it home, take it with us on vacation. And I, listen, I know what that, I am a workaholic, and we were sharing with the team earlier why I tend to lean in that direction, and it's not always right. We can always make excuses for this, but there is a time that we have to set it aside and not hide and use other excuses that seem to be safe, and we're not dealing with our troubled heart. Another way we can do it is we can plunge ourselves into television and all we do is go after one channel, the next channel, the next channel, the next channel, buy TVs, buy cable, buy whatever we get to get even more channels and nothing ever satisfies us and so we are locked into something because watch, a program starts with something nice, has a problem in it, resolves it within an hour and we have the feeling of a resolution of something that was only manufactured on somebody's computer in their office somewhere and we think that's it and we walk away with this momentary feeling of "Ah, everything's okay and we really haven't. All we've done is hid from it. So whatever you want to look at, whatever our escapism is, God says, no, don't run from it. He says, I don't want your heart to be troubled. Then he says, here's what you need to do. And he's going to give us some of those solutions. And then uh, I put a little thought in this, and I thought, you know, some people, you know how they get rid of heart trouble? They give that problem to somebody else. I don't mean the Lord. They dump it on their husband. They dump it on their wives. They dump it on their kids. They dump it on somebody else. And I guess um, I, I don't have a lot of personal angst, but when there's a problem, they dump it on the pastor. You know, whatever it might be, and we're okay. We we need it to help each other, share each other's burdens. We know all of this kind of stuff. But let's be careful that um, one, we do care one another's burden, care for one another's burdens. But it also says every man has to also carry his own burden. And so sometimes with that troubled heart, we have to own it. We have to analyze it. Why is it? How did it come? What am I going to learn? What's the lessons I can have? How can he be glorified? How am I going to go to him? What do I need to do? And I need to go at it from his direction.